listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Your sermon last Sunday on the parable of the rich fool, Rachel acknowledged that in our culture we often tend to avoid talking about money. That when we do, we can end up sounding and feeling rather awkward about it all. Evidently, Jesus was not so shy about speaking openly about money and about possessions, about challenging his disciples to think differently on the subject. So here, for the second Sunday in a row, questions of money and possessions are squarely in view. Now, in Luke's narrative structure, last Sunday's parable of the rich fool, telling of a successful landowner interested only in accumulating and holding wealth for himself, that parable is followed by Jesus saying to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. Consider the birds, consider the lilies. Let go of your striving and your worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for God's kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now that's the point at which today's gospel reading picks up. With Jesus just having said that the way in which striving and worry have come to preoccupy the nations of the world is not to be the way of discipleship. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that a lovely statement? Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And Jesus says this to the disciples, perhaps because he can see the worry, the fearful looks on their faces, Because he's saying, don't worry about where food comes from. Don't worry too much about matters of the body. Those things, consider the birds, and they're kind of going, how can we not worry? Like, we live in the real world here, Lord. So here, Matt Skinner helpfully comments. Jesus has just spoken about trusting God while also seeking the kingdom. Now he reminds everyone that the point isn't to coax a grumpy or frugal deity into being nice to us. Rather, God eagerly wants the kingdom, a whole new set of affairs reflecting God's intentions for human flourishing, wants that kingdom to take root in the real, lived experiences of Jesus' followers. And why? Because that's God's good pleasure. This is a whole new economy beginning to come into place. The economy of the kingdom of God's reign. And it is one in which possessions are to be held lightly, 
Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, Jesus tells them. And then he describes those unfailing purses as an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. But what is it that he means by this idea of treasures in heaven? But I think it's wrong to imagine that Jesus is commending to them some sort of a doer, serious, joyless life in which they sort of stack up righteous merit points to someday be cashed in when they enter the sweet by and by. No, no, no. Jesus is actually far too Jewish for that sort of a view of life, to say nothing of life in the kingdom of God. Recall how often he's pictured feasting with people, eating and drinking, so much, in fact, that his critics accuse him of being what? A drunkard and a glutton. So no, he's not teaching a kind of a, of a denial of this world for the sake of something sweeter somewhere else. What he teaches about the kingdom of heaven is actually summarized in his words from the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This world is not merely some veil of tears to be shed at our deaths for the rewards of heaven, presuming, of course, that we've stored up adequate treasures there. But instead, this world is the very space into which God's reign is breaking. Live that reign of God now. Live that kingdom now, is his message to his disciples. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So again, from Matt Skinner. When Jesus declares where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says that we can train our wills and our ways of thinking through the ways we use money. Spend it all on yourself and guess where your heart will go. Give to those in need, your heart will go where God wants it to go. Moreover, your heart will find God in the process. For there is a sacramental aspect to charity in which God becomes present to givers through those who receive and need their gifts. Still, there's an urgency to this training of our wills and our thinking which becomes clear in the material that follows in the statements be dressed for action have your lamps lit and you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an unexpected hour the themes of readiness lamps lit dressed for action typically come under our consideration in the opening Sundays of the season of Advent, the season of preparation, anticipation, watchfulness. It doesn't mean that we don't maybe also need to hear them on a warm Sunday evening in August. Be dressed for actions, have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Dutiful slaves, awake and alert, waiting for the master to return from the wedding banquet, doing what is required of them as slaves in the old economy 
of ownership and subservience. But then Jesus' little parable takes a wonderful and unexpected turn. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, the master will fasten his belt and have the slaves sit down to eat. And the master will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. The master fastens his belt and serves the slaves a meal. The expected ordering of things has been tipped on its head. And it's illustrative of that to which the kingdom vision of life is pointing and calling those disciples. And we who walk, strive to walk, a discipleship road 2,000 years later, retrained wills, ways of thinking about money and possessions, and ultimately about security, power, and privilege are transformative elements in this life of faith. And in the end, that is what this gospel tonight is about, faith. As David Loos observes, what Jesus is commending is faith. Faith that frees one to be generous. Faith that enables one to leave anxiety behind. Faith that creates in one confidence about a future secured not by human endeavor or achievement, but by God alone. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But the disciples might have said, there is so much to be afraid of. But we might say, there is so much to be afraid of. Don't be afraid, little flock. Open your hands. Loosen your grip on the things that you hold so tightly. Open your eyes. Look around. Recognizing not only the needs and hurts of those in this society around you, but also recognize the imaginative and joyous possibilities in this world in which we live. If only we will have those imaginations of faith and see the possibility, not the lack. It's a world once characterized by Bruce Coburn in his song, Planet of the Clowns, as filled with beauty even now, battered and abused and lovely. Into such a world as this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.